and welcome back to the Look It Up podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Natalie. And I'm Julie. And this week we are talking about the science of beauty. So, did you enjoy researching this week's topic? I did. I did enjoy it a lot, actually, because the topic of beauty is really central to our current life. Social media is everywhere. The pressure to look good is... Yeah. Which no one should, by the way, because we're in the middle of a lockdown and <laughs> we can't go anywhere. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of interesting information that I found in my research that I didn't actually think about before starting to like look into this topic. Um, so in this episode, we will be focusing on the science behind what makes a person appear beautiful. And like, we're talking about, like mainly about human faces, but touching on like the animal kingdom because there's a lot on genetics and kind of comparing how animal behavior can also give us an insight into how we view beauty, Mm. whether it's something that's natural and genetic, whether it's something that was taught to us as we grew up. So yeah. Do you want to start us off on... uh... I don't know where you want to start with this. Okay, so when I was researching it, my mind jumped straight to plastic surgery because mm, yeah. the pressure to look good and the pressure to conform to this idea of beauty that society presents to us um, leads a lot of men and women, mostly women at, at the moment, but mm. the numbers are rising, especially in men. Um it pushes a lot of people to look towards plastic surgery and cosmetic procedures, mm. both surgical and non-surgical, in order to, quote-unquote, improve their appearance. Um, so in figures, the number of surgical and non-surgical procedures in the US, in 1997, it was 1,641,000. Mm-hmm. And in 2009, it was 4,591,000. Wow. So it's more than tripled almost quadrupled mm, mm. um and that just shows like the building pressures and i think you were t- gonna talk about it as well like the pressures of social media like as social media has become more prevalent yeah um the pressures on people feeling like they need to look a certain way also grow yeah i think it's uh when we look at like the reasons why cosmetic surgery has increased what do you think it could be because I do think a part of it is that I, I don't know if there's less stigma around cosmetic surgery now because it's more common or maybe it's because the treatments are like less invasive I think both I think now because there are a lot of options to go non-surgical so fillers mm. like injections I heard they're called uh, tweakments as opposed to tre- tweakments yeah tweakments That's as opposed so to funny. treatments <laughs> I mean, all of this marketing to like make people less scared. Exactly to make it appeal. Cosmetic surgery. Yeah, it's just a, it's just tweakment. It's just a little thing. And also, like to be honest, they fade in like six months to a year anyway. Mm, mm. So it's something that's not permanent. But um, I do I do agree. Like I think it is to do with the fact that it's becoming less stigmatized. Because if you think back to say when the Kardashians were getting accused of having cosmetic procedures and yeah. at the beginning they were kind of denying it they were saying no we don't we're all natural blah <laughs> blah blah and back when kylie like got her lips done yeah. and she denied that she had her lips done and then decided because it was so obvious that she couldn't hide it she was getting so much backlash from it um she admitted to having them done mm. and i think like I don't want to say it was just the Kardashians because there are a lot of other people around the same time that were also being very transparent about the cosmetic procedures they were yeah, getting yeah. done to alter their body. I think the fact that these celebrities were openly admitting that they were getting work done and almost making it the norm, mm. um, people would feel more comfortable like admitting that they had stuff done or that they would want to get I think, stuff done. Um, I think it's kind thing. of like a, a reflection of like this pursuit for authenticity within um, either like influencers or celebrities. I feel like before they would try and kid themselves like, oh, I'm just naturally mm-hmm. beautiful. I'm naturally yeah. ombre hair mm-hmm. and all that. But nowadays with, with like how influencers and like how YouTubers are the ones driving uh, celebrity culture, 
the whole idea is that they want you to feel as close to them as possible and like authenticity yeah. is meant to be key now you, everyone just wants to exactly. be as honest as possible yeah the whole like uh you know those hashtag no makeup yeah it was like a huge movement like five years ago or something where all these celebrities started posting pictures of them with no makeup yeah yeah it's yeah so i think i definitely think it, it's because of that like sort of making it less stigmatized yeah so have you ever heard of uh instagram face um no I haven't. this is a this is a new concept that um i read about so uh it was a uh, looking at a decade in review so this is an article from the new yorker and they were looking at how social media face tune and plastic surgery have created a single cyborgian look so it's the idea that all influencers and celebrities are starting to have the same face mm-hmm. kim kardashian bella hadid kendall jenner it's it's been described as um, white, but racially ambiguous. Oh, yeah. yeah do you no, see I it have, now? I have a lot of like, I have a lot of examples of that. So there was a South Asian uh, account. I can't remember. I think it might have been on TikTok. Mm. But um, like she was answering a question that was like, what? You look a lot like Kylie Jenner. Yeah. And then she filmed a video saying, I was born with this face and she bought it four years ago. Oof. Um, and it's it's just sort of as you said, like trying to strive to attain this sort of in between kind of yeah. are you white? Are you not? Like are you sort of mixed a few generations back? Like sort I think of thing? it's kind of like a, um, a continuation of the whole black fishing thing that happened. Uh, so this was like accusing uh, several beauty influencers that they were trying to uh, play up certain features like african-american features that they didn't have so they would tan their skin Mm -hmm. really dark and like wear extensions and like appropriating in like the worst possible way um definitely yeah yeah certain like facial features and so in this article uh, a celebrity makeup artist called colby smith described this look as having a tanned complexion south asian influence um on the brows and eye shape african-american influence in the lips but with a caucasian nose and a high cheek structure which is similar to that from like native americans and east asians so it's this kind Mm. of cherry picking the best features and morphing it into something that has that exotic appeal i also saw that in like the fox eye trend yeah i wasn't actually planning on bringing this up in this in this episode but you've just reminded me of it okay and i'm very i get very heated on this subject (laughs) because i'm like as you said it's sort of just like cherry picking features from different races Mm. that were previously mocked when it's naturally occurring yeah in that race and it's sort of like so when it's those features combined with other features in like the perfect face Mm -hmm. it's okay but when it's those features on a face that are all of like say east asian features i know yeah it's It's like it's it's only certain elements and it's like you can't you can't just say like this person has beautiful lips and then disregard the entirety of their face it's so and i get really like obviously um wanting eyes that are slanted isn't an issue in itself mm. because I know a lot of people aren't thinking, oh, I really like East Asian eyes. I want to have them. Yeah. Like it's more like, oh, I like the look of like slanted eyes and I like the way it lifts my face. Yeah. But it becomes problematic when like society as a whole views them as lesser or more ugly on the face that like where it's natural. Naturally yeah, occurring. yeah, yeah. Um, so it's not really an issue that you want to look a certain way because I'm sort of an advocate of, you know, you can do what you want with your body. Like mm-hmm. you, if you want to look a certain way, you can. But it's more of becomes insensitive and an issue when it's like double standards across the board. So when looking at this, the origins of the Instagram face, they were saying that part of it is coming from Facetune and uh, the filtering that you get on Snapchat and Instagram. Apparently, there's mm. um, an increase in the number of people approaching cosmetic surgeons. Instead of uh, traditionally, they they would go with pictures of celebrities that they wanted certain features to look like. But now they're going mm. with filtered versions of themselves, and then showing like, "Hey, I want you to make me look like my Snapchat filter," which oh, God. is so. I, I don't know honest, if that's like worse of, somehow because it's a lot of people saw it coming when the first Snapchat filters came mm. out. You know when it like made people look 
like the flower crown yeah, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you could see it coming. Like you could see... Like sometimes people- these these filters like even have the name like beautifying face filter. So even if you didn't, mm-hmm. if even if you were happy with how your face looked and then you try this filter, which is labeled as a beautifying filter and then it gives you like yeah. a smaller chin and bigger eyes and stuff, that's going to make you yeah. question your sense of beauty. Yeah, no, 100%. And I think makes you have an unrealistic image of yourself mm. it's like you're you're used to only seeing yourself in pictures where you have a filter on and you can't accept when you have the option of using a beautifying yeah filter why would you take a picture of yourself without another big thing is the uh algorithms so i think just the very nature of of what you see on tiktok and instagram when something gets a good response, it gets uh, promoted to you. And so even if it sounds kind of harmless in that regard, so if like a funny video is going around, it's more likely to get recommended to you. But it also works with beauty because if lots of people are liking a particular look and it gets pushed Mm -hmm. to you, then you're going to start seeing it as like the trending thing. And so that's like one of the reasons why it seems like a hive mind. We're all collectively pursuing this one Instagram face of what is attractive. I, I agree. I, I feel like it's very, like, flattened. Um, yeah, so I feel like because plastic sur- surgery is receiving so much more popularity mm. because of this pressure, um, they're kind of manipulating the information on their website to make it seem like they know exactly how to make you look like the perfect woman or the perfect man. There are so many um, problems with that. <laughs> So I was looking on a couple of uh, websites for um, plastic surgeons mm. and on most of them, they would have pages that explained the science of beauty, like the science of what makes an ideal face and what procedures that they would use in order to achieve this result. Yeah. So it kind of split into co- a couple of different headings. So the first one is the face should be symmetrical. Mm-hmm. So balanced, but not perfect. And although research like affirms the importance of symmetry, most people agree that a perfectly symmetrical, symmetrical face is unnatural, if not impossible. What do you think about that? Do you think that... Like, well, whenever perfectly... anybody talks about symmetry in faces, I keep on getting flashbacks to when I was in year seven and I saw a picture of Tom Cruise's face and like how there's a complete line of symmetry that goes down his face. Like even his tooth is like right in the middle of his mouth. I can't, did you ever see that? No. <laughs> like, it's like no, all his teeth are shifted slightly. So one of his uh, front teeth is right in the middle. It's, oh yeah, it's like something that you'll never know unless you- No way, I have to Google this now. If you type in Tom Cruise tooth, you will see that- Oh my God. Yeah. You're so right. So whenever anyone talks about like I, I don't I don't know, that's the only thing that I think of. <laughs> An article from Life and Style, Tom Cruise's middle tooth, the story behind his smile. <laughs> <laughs> I can't okay. Is that that's just that's, that's yeah, what that's you have. that's my opinion on <laughs> symmetry. Uh, okay, nice. So also like the perception of your bad side. Like, you know how everyone's oh, like, Oh yeah. Can you- yeah. Let, can you photograph me from like my left side because my right side is my bad side? And that's because one side of your face will typically have lower cheekbones, causing it to like look like it's sagging slightly, and like the shadows under your eyes would be more prominent on one side. Why? And the corner of your mouth might droop slightly. It's just naturally like occurring like that. Oh wait, didn't you, we like, talk about this? On... Isn't it also because you might sleep on your side? We we, we did talk we about did this. Talk about yeah, we this. did. <laughs> This is, by the way, listeners, this is weeks ago. Like, I can't, I didn't even remember that. We yeah, yeah. We were talking about, like, apparently uh, if you sleep on one side your whole life, then your face will be slightly weirder on one side. So, um. Because of, like, the blood or gravity. I, either. Right? Anyway, so that's the, <laughs> like, that's why you perceive one side of your face to be your bad side. Ah. Because one side is more droopy. Um, the plastic surgery websites were saying that they can correct it by, like, achieving balance by using filler and all this stuff mm. and then the next header is proportionality so balanced speeches that complement one another one another um if certain areas are over or underdefined, this disharmony can contribute to the perception of an unattractive face 
Spatial proportions and their relationship to beauty is a concept that has been studied since ancient Greek times. The Greeks said that all beauty is mathematics. So that argument is that if a certain feature stands out too much, it creates disharmony in the face. Mm, mm. Um, apparently, according to research, you want it all to look kind of uniform. But yeah, so facial proportions, youthfulness. I think obviously, that's, like, that's particularly in, uh, yeah, and particularly in women because it's a indicator of fertility. Yeah, our instant, instinctive sense of attraction prompts us to look for a healthy mate which with which to produce um, healthy offspring mm-hmm. and on a primal level youth equals health strength and fertility so in plastic surgery that means people are trying to fill in lines and wrinkles they're trying to get fuller cheeks and lips mm. and like an absence of rings or shadows beneath the eyes and then the last one is um, familiarity so this is, goes back to proportionality but even though some people would consider um, exotic or striking features to be beautiful mm. like research actually shows that most people prefer faces that kind of look quite similar to yourself so ones that more average faces average meaning like balanced and with a lack of irregularities yeah. so the interesting thing about that is uh when it comes to faces we prefer them that look average so like if you take a group of people's faces and then create an average of their faces, the composite image will always look more attractive mm-hmm. than any of the individual p- people. Even if you were yeah, to have like, I've heard that you know, like well, Kate yeah. Moss in and amongst the mix, it will still be mm-hmm. the composite image that is considered more attractive. Yeah, that's really interesting. Because uh, there was a oh, study, oh. Um, I think it was in the late 1800s, um, some guy was trying to prove that criminals, I think he was a eugenicist and he was trying to prove that criminals were ugly, essentially. Um, and that you could tell a person's uh, morality f- through their face. So he took a composite image of all the people that were arrested, but mm-hmm. he was surprised to find that the the image of the guy was actually really attractive. <laughs> also, like, it doesn't make sense, because do you remember that viral phenomenon where, with the hot felon? Yeah, I was going to say, we, we'll, we'll come back <laughs> to that in Pretty Privilege, because <laughs> I have words on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so let we can move on to like the actual rules of attraction. Mm. So this is like in an article I found, um, but basically about ratios and apparently the chin should project about two or three millimeters less than the tip of your nose. The top lip should be approximately half the height of the bottom lip. Softly arched brows are more attractive, but too high brows are not. Larger eyes are more attractive, particularly in women. And then basically what I said before about familiar features are more attractive than striking or unusual ones. Symmetry is universally attractive and youthfulness is closely associated with attractiveness. So all of this, like all of these rules that everyone has to like kind of follow in order to find the perfect face. I was really surprised at so many, the sheer amount of articles that I found when searching for like formula Mm. for beauty or um, rules for attractiveness, like this, that and the other. And that's not even getting onto all the mathematical stuff that I found, like the golden ratio and stuff like that, which I, I'll get onto later. But there's just so much. Like I don't know how people can cope with that amount of like you're never you're never going to be satisfied with how you look because yeah, there is always going to be something else that you can improve. You know what's interesting is that um, rules. So you would think that pursuing all these tiny details that you know my nose is a millimeter too wide or something like that, you'd think mm, it would just. Mm-hmm. Um, be a something that is obsessed by women but recently i i found out that the incel community so that's the involuntary celibate um community they have that i did own... not expect you to say that <laughs> i didn't ex- i did not expect yeah, you to bring up incels <laughs> i was gonna bring incels into it but they have their own like obsession over like their bone structure and how their face looks and stuff and it's it's called like look smaxing so it's this oh my god yeah there's this whole like uh there are loads of forums dedicated to picking out all the tiny tiny flaws in like men's faces to make them more attractive things like if your eyebrows are in this certain angle that makes you look more femme and that is not chad looks and that's not maxing. alpha looks maxing it's a thing and it's skin maxing so that is like the pursuit of having good skincare they they have oh all the god. same things that they have for women it's the same, but it's just like uh, language coded for male dominance and, and also for like yeah. for like different purposes. Like they're doing it so they can finally get laid. Basically, yeah, and it's it's insane. <laughs> it's things like 
yeah, looking at like the forehead protrusion or if your chin is too narrow, it's too feminine, but it needs to be like a masculine jaw. If you do these jaw exercises, you're going to get a sharp jaw. You're going to be Chad. It's it's so bizarre. And like, yeah, so really don't, don't just think this is I'm limited kind of to women. Sad yeah. Because yeah. like, maybe they should just try and be a nicer person. And the thing is like, maybe it, someone will some of the users them. actually said that they, they felt worse about themselves after going on it. Like it literally it's echoing all the things that you hear women say when they read about you know uh how to make themselves more beautiful it can like af- affect their own self-esteem it's the same thing like yeah. all these men were saying that i was on this forum Being hypercritical and, yeah I, I started feeling really self-conscious because mm-hmm. you know i have a feminine set of cheeks or i don't know um, yeah it's definitely being hypercritical of yourself like mm. You can see parallels of that everywhere. Like I didn't, obviously, yeah, I didn't even know that the insult community was doing that. <laughs> but like striving for that level of quote unquote perfection yeah. never really ends well because, for example, like the human Kendall. Um, oh God! I, I and that you just—I feel like this is going backwards in time because Kendall wasn't he like 2012? He was a thing. He's still trying to make himself relevant by just getting. Like more stuff surgery done. after surgery after surgery wow. and at this point like in his in his mission for perfection he looks really non-human and like non-perfect and like bizarre like it's not even to the point where you're like oh they're too perfect so they just don't look humanish he just looks wrong is there some kind He's of perverse beauty in that in like pursuing your own sense of what you should look like that you go to such extremes that you deviate so much from like what mainstream beauty is is there mm. i almost could almost be like some like high concept art piece he could himself be the image of yeah addiction like too far down the path yeah i i don't know i almost take that as a um in the same line as like bodybuilding it's like pursuing something that is not considered maybe uh conventionally attractive but Mm-hmm. fixating on it and yeah it's like, like your own personal passion. mission to i mean there's there's like a barbie one as well yeah and like are they definitely teamed like i saw like teamed this up. thing where they teamed up <laughs> they're not they're like we're not in a relationship we're just partners like <laughs> i love that. as in on their same mission to like achieve that look of like a plastic doll but yeah going back to the golden ratio um so this is a ratio that was talked about during the European Renaissance first and renowned artists and architects use an equation known as the known as golden ratio to map out their masterpieces. So it's been talked about for thousands of years and later scientists adopted this mathematical formula to help explain why some people are considered beautiful and why others are not. Mm. So the golden ratio is 1.618 called phi, P-H-I and in a study by Dr. Kendra Schmidt, an assistant professor of biostatistics, used the golden ratio and other measurements to study facial sex appeal. So she came up with this conclusion that the be- a beautiful face would be one and a half times longer than it is wide. Yeah. Three segments of your face, your hairline to your eyes, your eyes to the bottom of your nose and the bottom of your nose to your chin must all be equal in distance. And um, this is all like for the, like, the most beautiful face. Um, the length of your okay. ear should be equal to the length of your nose. I have quite long ears. The... I'm slightly worried now. <laughs> <laughs> Cut them off. The width of your eye is equal to the distance between your eyes. And um, I think that's it. So in this study, most people scored between four and six. That's the average number. Out of 10. Um, and Dr. Sh- Dr. Schmidt said no one has ever been a perfect 10. And this is after they've done this. Uh, on, like, have they seen my selfies? Faces. I think. <laughs> <laughs> you could send them in yeah, for like in um, for... scientific research. <laughs> yeah. Um, apparently, Bella Hadid's face is 94.3 accurate to five. And she's the most that they've ever done so far. Uh, so you, are, you, are you trying to tell me that Bella Hadid is the most beautiful person in the world? With the best face according to their according to re- like numbers. their results so like they might not have tested the most beautiful face yet it might not have yeah been discovered yet um according to this golden ratio which is already a disputed method of finding which faces are beautiful and which are not 
I mean, what do you think? Can you really reduce beauty to maths? Is no, that definitely that you not. Think is- so like I, I saw on uh, Twitter a while back, there was an image of um, somebody was trying to argue that uh, Zendaya, the, the actress, was not that attractive because her face did not fit this golden ratio proportion. Like I'm sure you can find these templates of like where exactly mm-hmm. your features should go. And her face did not fit into that thing. And everyone was like, just shut up because it's Zendaya. It's, <laughs> you can't tell me that Zendaya is not attractive. So yeah. I I don't even know what's the point in trying to pursue this mm-hmm. perfect face. I think it's like, it might be like the human desire to want to make sense of everything. Like yeah, the concept okay. of beauty is so like, you can't really understand where it comes from or why why, I like why to think it's some angry scientist beautiful. somewhere who's just very resentful for all these beautiful women existing and is like, I must understand. I must understand exactly what is it about her face that makes me you know, <laughs> empty my bank yeah. account for her. Yeah, so there have actually been other studies. I actually prepared some some material. If you'd like to check your oh, WhatsApp, we yes. have some case studies. Case that studies! You would like. I, would, I would need to react to on the episode. So... The Marquardt beauty analysis test, Mm -hmm. um, they mapped out the perfect face in relation to um, the golden ratio. So the first thing I sent you was... um, Oh, yeah, this is the the golden facial mask. Um, This was what they they tried to compare with Zendaya. So that's the the mapping, the just lines Mm. um, mapping out where your eyes, your nose, your mouth, like the face structure should be. Yeah. And then the second one is sort of a 3d rendering of that golden facial mask onto an actual person so what what do you think about this uh i i want to say bland i want to say it looks like uh (laughs) you know when you first learn to draw like this is the face you will draw just like yeah you know also i'm curious very like generic uh, does this golden facial mask is there a different one for men or is this gender neutral no, um this is gender neutral interesting it looks quite feminine doesn't it you know what if you make it genderless it kind of gives off like a really cool otherworldly vibe what like androgynous yeah androgynous like... cyborg that just is there what do you think about this face kind of looks a bit like scarlet johansson yeah i can see that okay and then the second image that i sent to you mm-hmm was from a book called Golden Meaning. And it's a book by London publisher, graphic design and and design. Mm. And where 55 designers were um, asked to demystify the golden ratio by using, um, coming up with clever illustrations and graphic design. So in this book, um, which is actually the proportions of this book are to the golden ratio. So the length and the width oh my God. are 1.1. 1.618 yeah um in this book um i've sent you a picture a spread of one man what two men but they are the same person and on the left hand side is what he actually looks like and on the right hand side is he modifies the image on the left to fit the golden ratio that's actually wild because i would assume that it's the other way around wait so you're telling me the one on the left is his natural face and on the one on the right yeah. has been edited. Yeah. What do you think? I don't... Wait, are we are we actually seeing the same image? Because the one on the right looks, like, a bit weird. The one on the right looks like he's taking a selfie. It's a bit kind of bug-eyed and fish lensy. Do you think his retouched image is more attractive? Like, which one do you think? Before you told me, I would have actually assumed that the one on the right was the original. Because... I assumed that if you applied this whole like uh, editing to form it to the golden ratio, you'd assume that it would look better. But I don't think it looks better. I think the one on the right mm. looks a bit uh, creepy. Creepy how? Can you creepy you how? Because uh, it almost looks a bit like zoomed in. A bit. The features almost look a bit too far apart. Whereas the features yeah. feel like they are floating. That's a good way to maybe say it. Like floating. <laughs> And also, mm, there's something about yeah. the mouth. The fact that it's a little bit too low, it almost feels like he's got something in his mouth. <laughs> you know? 
Like his jaw seems so slightly the left one, unhinged. What he actually looks like looks more real and more comforting. Also, the more you. the longer I look at it, the more the more attractive he becomes. I think this is just on this the is right. the thing. The yeah, one on the right. The one on the, the one on the left. Oh, the one on the left. Yeah, as in the like uh, you know. Uh, apparently, if you if you just look at a face for long enough, you will f- start finding them attractive. I think that's starting Aww. to happen. Like that's I feel lovely. somewhat endeared. Like I want to know his name now. Maybe just send him an email. Huh? Maybe just send him an email. An email? Like, what What year is this? I could send him an Instagram DM or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you think of um, these images? What do you think of the, the guy on the left? I do think that the one on the right is more proportional. Oh, okay. But I think the one on the left looks more kind. Yeah. Either way, like, the the conclusion is you can't really, like, use the golden ratio to make someone look way more attractive because it just doesn't really work like that. I feel like you should just accept how you're, how you're born because oh my God. <laughs> I think, like, when yeah. you start to artificially change yourself, you could end up, you could look the way you want to look, but I feel like the element of, like, authenticity and soul is just not there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's that was my little segment on Natalie Reacts. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so there's tons of science and tons of maths about beauty and it seems to evade all of us, um, even mm. the scientists, because none of them can really agree. There's a lot of books that I um, found, so Survival of the Prettiest, The Science of Beauty um, by Nan- Nancy Epcoff, mm-hmm. Um who's a faculty member at Harvard Medical School. Um, and she, she argues that beauty is not learned behavior. So it's not cultural construction or like an invention of the fashion industry or like a backlash against feminism, but it's in our very biology. It's interesting you should say that because um, I heard, uh, I was watching a TED talk and they were saying that uh, your ability to distinguish beautiful faces amongst a group is dependent on like your exposure to it so if you were to line up a list of white actresses you Mm. would feel very confident in picking which one you thought was the most attractive but if you were to pick a lineup of for example ethnic minority actresses that you haven't necessarily seen as many people of that nationality or that ethnicity um you would have a harder time trying to figure out which one you thought was the most attractive and it's to do with like you're not familiar yeah because you're not familiar but then isn't doesn't that almost in a way isn't that almost more accurate because you're not influenced by what you've been conditioned to pick but it is a reflection of what you as your at your core instinctiveness will pick as i see what you mean but the fact that it takes people longer to to find who they find attractive in a lineup of people from a different um, ethnicity. Mm. It almost makes me think that like, maybe there isn't something so instinctual in humans because surely it should be very easy if it was instinct. I see. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, and then you get like other books like, so there's, there's one called Face Value by Autumn Whitefield Medrano, um, who, which focuses on the positive influence that beauty has because i think they um she thinks that we focus too much on the negative aspects of beauty and that we should celebrate how beauty brings people together so how for example beauty can be a powerful tool of connection among women when you say like bringing beauty brings people together i i just feel like what this... so we all like stand around scarlett johansson and be like wow she's so pretty like she unites the world in her beauty <laughs> i think as i said i think this is a very like debated topic like i, I, th- I don't think everyone agrees on certain things about um the theory of beauty and mm. things like that i think all these books that I found all kind of slightly contradict each other. And, I was going to say, like, I'm um, not even sure I agree with the first book, which is that uh, everything is biological, like, the, which determines mm-hmm. a, a beautiful face. Because I don't think, think exactly. that takes into consideration all of the, you know, colonial bias and and how that bleeds into perceptions of beauty. It doesn't... Colorism 
is it's way more nuanced yeah than that. it's it's way more nuanced than just like one thing or another i kind of want to explain what i found about the biological aspect just because mm-hmm. well i guess to propose to you the question of what is beauty like what is our perception of beauty is it something that's natural biological or something that's hardwired into our dna yeah um, or is it something that's taught by how we've grown up by society our environment um and sort of the things that i found that support it being a natural thing is that brain centers actually reward us with pleasurable brain responses when we look on a, upon a beautiful face so mm. the brain reward system is um, something that's deep in the center of our brain and it's instrumental in providing the biochemistry that allows us to feel pleasure when we experience something like an amazingly delicious meal or a positive life event like winning the lot- lottery yeah and this lights up and rewards us when we look on faces that are beautiful to us I know that uh, they did a study on babies and apparently babies look at more attractive faces longer than they do at non-attractive mm. faces. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, so stuff like that. And so also... would, you, would you think that like more attractive people would be happier in their lives then? Because if they're seeing themselves in like reflections... With... <laughs> oh! Or like if you, um... if you came from a beautiful family... You're a family of models. Are you just happier because you're surrounded by beautiful people? Theoretically, yes. <laughs> but also, like, well, okay, well, that depends on a lot of things because first of all, it depends all, on how you define more... happiness. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're like closer to the image of like societal what people accept as like beautiful. So you're obviously going to have, you're going to feel more secure yeah like, i think oh, yeah okay maybe it's I'm... harder to test because i'm thinking in a world where maybe you don't come into where like social media Contact doesn't exist and you're not being told yeah. you're beautiful but just purely on biology do you get like a little dopamine hit every time you walk past a mirror that's um, that's really interesting actually <laughs> maybe you should maybe you should contact some people and get, get what, what would be the point in studying this though <laughs> like what's the point of anything natalie oh why God. are people studying like the ratios of beauty anyway like all of this stuff is purely for like human curiosity. True, <laughs> true. So yeah, back to Darwin, as all things come back to. Mm-hmm. Um, he came up with theories of natural selection, and I didn't realize, but sexual selection mm-hmm. and natural selection are two different things. So, sexual selection is the idea that animals have beautiful traits to attract mates. Often as one sex, mainly males, compete the attention of the other sex, females. Yeah. Um, and that depends on which advantage certain individuals have over other individuals. So, for example, uh, birds of paradise have, like, really big, colourful plumes and uh, stags have really big antlers. Yeah. Um, so the, these things that aren't actually linked to practical uses that would ensure that you survive longer if anything they make they kind of are detrimental for example long colorful plumes on birds of paradise might attract more predators so you'd die quicker because the predator would be like oh there's a colorful bird like let me go eat it um but like in the long run the ability to attract the best possible mate and produce lots of healthy offspring is actually it compensates for the fact that you might get eaten more i don't that's Oh my god. In it's humans, weird, that's kind of it? like a... What's it? Going for the bad boy as opposed to the guy with like a healthy job, yeah. stable stable yeah. income, all that. Like, oh my god. But no, you want the guy with the motorbike. <laughs> but yeah, so that, that's sexual selection. So it's kind of cultivating the idea that animals understand what beauty is. And that in turn supports the idea that humans inherently know what beauty is. And we inherently know what's beautiful to us and it's not taught. Mm. Um, sexual selection has nothing to do with like you surviving longer it's it but it is a sort of show of you being fitter for example it's called the handicap principle um you know how peacocks the males have like really colorful tails like really big tails yeah. and lots of like yeah. eye, eyes on them oh yeah yeah, um, yeah 
females prefer males that have more eyes and bigger tails. So, as I said before, it would make them more easily hunted. But a peacock's tail takes a lot of energy to grow and carry around, which only the fittest peacocks can do. So it is like a marker of like how healthy you are. So it's just sort of like, even though like it doesn't do any good for them to carry around, it's been It's the thought that counts, you know? (laughs) It's the thought that counts. But it's also like a way of them evolving to impress females. As they should. Yeah. And, And at the time, Darwin was, his ideas were really didn't go down well with Victorians because in Victorian era, hierarchy was really important. So they thought that only the upper classes could appreciate art and music. Oh, so he was offending them in that regard. Yeah, because he was saying animals appreciate and know what beauty is. And Victorians thought that only the upper class could appreciate beauty and art. So they were like, if the lower classes can't even appreciate beauty, then how is an animal going to appreciate beauty? It completely went against their beliefs. I like that. That's that's pretty neat. Yeah. So that, that was Darwin being trashed by his own contemporaries yet again. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so this um, kind of was reinforced in this experiment called the zebra finch experiment. Mm-hmm. We love zebra finches. They're, they're very cute. I, I don't know what they're they like, are. Like, are they a bird or? They're a bird and um, they kind of look... I can I can search. Oh, they're very cute. They're, they're very like a... cute. They look, they look like they have like orange blush on. Like they're so adorable. I, I mean, I... <laughs> yeah, I guess. Anyway, so there was, an, there was an experiment in 1982 by Nancy Burley from University of California, and they, she was doing like an unrelated experiment on these birds, um, mm-hmm. and she attached leg bands to them to identify which bird was which. Uh-huh. But not long after she attached leg bands to them, she noticed that the birds had actually developed a preference for particular leg bands. Oh. So males preferred females with black or pink bands and females preferred males with red bands. And like the choice was completely arbitrary, spontaneous and independent of the fitness of the birds. So in this short space of time, in this short experiment, she witnessed that the birds had developed a preference for certain things in other birds, like in these leg bands. That's so weird. Um, and so Burley's work implies that there is something random about the traits that animals evolved to find beautiful. Because before her findings, it had been suggested that the traits began as something with a function and then got exaggerated. For example, the peacock's tail, oh, like long tails okay, were, were in- initially evolved to kind of help with stability. That is finding. pretty interesting, yeah. I wonder what if that could be applied to humans at all. Just suddenly finding preference. Makes you think at least. I guess like if you are uh perceived as more attractive then if you you know, if you're an animal then you just there's a higher chance that you can find a mate. But mm-hmm. I don't feel like that's just the the only thing that you can benefit from being a human who is attractive. Yeah, like, so obviously, like, you know... Finding a mate that's is... What yeah, spurs, but there's other yeah, things. that's what spurs a lot of people into wanting to be more attractive because they want to find a partner. Mm. Um, but, yeah, like, there are other things that you benefit from if you're perceived as isn't more this beautiful. Isn't this the pretty privilege that we... It is. Um, yes, mentioned. it is the pretty privilege. So, beauty is associated with upward economic mobility especially for women. So if you're prettier, you're, you could, you're going to do well. You're going to do better than others in terms of earning more money, mm-hmm. kind of climbing the ranks. I think it's, isn't it across genders? It's like both both genders, if you are more attractive, you're more mm-hmm. likely to be hired because you're perceived as more trustworthy. Yeah, so attractive people are perceived to possess a variety of positive personality attributes, um, even if like you don't have them. Like you're just automatically thought to, when you look at them, yeah. So yeah, attractive people are more likely to be hired for jobs than less attractive individuals. And attractiveness can also influence judgments about the seriousness of committed crimes. Mm. Um, so they can get more or less time in jail, depending on how attractive people think you are. Um, and also attractive individuals pay lower bail as well. So there's just oh, like, wow. these, these are just like the serious 
Oh, also, um, what was it? Attractiveness. If you are attractive, that is just as important as being likable if you are running uh, in politics. Oh. Can you imagine that? Like, being likable is just as important as being attractive. Um, How did Trump get around that? (laughs) (laughs) I I I was going to say, Joe Biden is the alternative, right? Although, I did hear a lot of stuff about Mike Pence being lusted after uh, by suburban mums. Oh my god, what? Yes, I did. There were lots of articles. I could see that. About how Mike Pence is a hunk, apparently. Oh god, don't say the word hunk and Mike Pence in the same <laughs> sentence. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that that's just the serious things. And like obviously on a smaller level, mm. there are many, many things where being attractive would benefit you. I mean I mean, let's talk about pretty privilege. Like, what are your thoughts? The thing that annoys me the most is we equate beauty and being attractive to being a good person and the way that it bleeds into media, so especially movies. If you look at any Disney movie, the heroes and heroines, they're always the attractive ones and they're drawn and animated and they use actors who are young and attractive and it's always the old... Also, this thing about ageism as well. Have you noticed almost all Disney villains are old? That, mm-hmm. you know, Cruella de Vil, Ursula... Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, the list goes on. Like the evil stepmother in Cinderella, they're all old, and like this idea that old equals ugly equals bad. I I think that's quite damaging, and it's it does kind of irritate me. Yeah, because but it's it's always these stereotypes. Aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Or like I saw so, yeah. something about um, scarring as well. Like disfig- disfigurement in the face is a symbol of um, a villain. So if you look at all the James Bond um, villains, or if you look at horror movies of the villains, there's always some kind of disfigurement on the face. Um, mm-hmm. And I just I just find that really sad because I'm sure there are plenty of people out there that have maybe been in an accident or are born with something that doesn't quite match on their face. And like now they're, it's it's not just like a biological, like, oh, we perceive uh, attractive, like symmetrical faces to be better. It's like, this is ingrained into us, both through it's biology and also like society. A- ableist yeah. as well. And, and uh, also colorism. Yeah, in the number of uh, um, movies, it's always the, the lighter female character that is perceived mm-hmm. as beautiful compared to mm-hmm. other characters. Yeah, but like colorism is, for those that don't know, it's... Uh, it's just preferring lighter skin yeah. over darker skin. So that mainly becomes a conversation within a race. Mm. So although it does apply to like across all races, um, it, it mainly becomes a conversation within a race because say um, black people... Uh, if you're lighter skinned you get more privilege yeah i know we said a lot of bad stuff about uh social media and the effect that has on your sense of self-worth and your your own sense of beauty but um i saw something which was really nice about how things like youtube and instagram is actually democratizing beauty so before social media things like uh, magazines would dictate who is considered beautiful. Um, and I don't know about you, but like mm-hmm. when I was in my like early teens and stuff, if I went through a magazine, I wasn't going to find yeah. like a huge number of makeup tips, especially for more Asian Oh God, don't even stuff. talk about the makeup thing. <laughs> I literally went through so much trying to figure out how to do my own makeup. Because yeah. I, I have like monolids, mm-hmm. um, which means I don't have a crease. Yeah on my eye and all the makeup tutorials were of women with like massive creases and they were like so now put the dark shade in your crease and I'm like where is my crease this is like I don't what am I meant to do yeah and at the time it wasn't like a conscious decision but I got really really into YouTube in my early teens and I was following all these different uh, beauty gurus so like Bubs Beauty Mm. Michelle Phan that for me as well was just a huge like comfort yeah it was a big comfort to me because i was like wow i'm seeing my myself exactly exactly like at the time it didn't feel like a conscious choice but like looking back at it i think i was so heavily invested in youtube and in like 
the Asian beauty like YouTubers because I wasn't finding it anywhere else. Like I wasn't, if I looked through a magazine, I wasn't going to see it. If I turned on the TV, mm-hmm. I wasn't going to see it either. Like these were... YouTube was truly the revolution. Yeah, like, these were like the, the older sisters that I, I never had. And these were like young and attractive Asian women that I could see myself in. And like when, when it came to like hair tutorials, I remember specifically like there was a Bub's Beauty comment, which was like, damn, my, my non-Asian hair isn't thick enough to pull off this kind of look or something. And I was just thinking, but that's me though. Like my hair is like that. I can do it, but you can't. Yeah. So I wanted to, yeah, I just wanted to hear your thoughts. Like, did you also have that kind of um, experience? Definitely, definitely, definitely. Like, yeah, I mean, you basically just described my experience. I think like I've struggled so much with like trying to figure out what to do makeup wise, because where am I meant to find people who look like me and also look beautiful. Mm. Yeah, so um, apparently there are stats that say that uh, these days more women feel beautiful than in previous years. And I do think a big part of that is because with Instagram, you are able to find people that represent your brand of beauty whether that be due to like ethnicity or your body type or there's just more representation and the thing is like you you go out and find it yourself you can find these um they're described as like micro communities Mm -hmm. and i think like if you look at your instagram uh, recommended i think my instagram recommended will look very different from another person's instagram recommended because you start curating almost your own image of like what you aspire to be like and that's different depending on like what you look like so Mm -hmm. i think it's not all doom and gloom like things are getting better in terms of uh and also i think as something we've mentioned in a lot of previous episodes like the accessibility of information the internet age yeah definitely helps a lot of things like as you said you can just search something up and find it Mm. i I saw a comment something like uh the gatekeepers have fallen so it's this idea that fashion editors model casters photographers makeup artists all those things obviously like they're still uh like a level of prestige when it comes to things like vogue and whatnot but with the internet anyone can be an influencer anyone can take pictures of themselves and uh, find like a following and get promoted and get brand de- deals it's you're taking the power out of the hands of a few and like giving it to everyone so yeah that's like a sure. really nice thing to see and i'm just we're in charge of our yeah, own yeah and I'm, I'm so happy that yeah. like i know now that young girls can easily find like makeup tips and hair care tips regardless of what you look like and what kind of features you have there will be somebody who's mm-hmm. already uploaded a video on it and we can end on a on a positive note <laughs> <laughs> we're on a roll that was two positive episodes in a row i, I mean it only got positive towards the end <laughs> like the rest of it is we'll, we'll take we'll it take we'll it. take yeah. it but yeah um thanks for listening to our episode on the science of beauty mm-hmm. and if you'd like to see more of our content and more stuff that we found out that we couldn't fit into this episode uh, we'll be uploading it as insta posts on at look it up podcast yep. and on twitter which is at look it up pod thanks for listening and see you in two weeks time bye bye